nerds and nerdettes, wizards and witches and muggles alike. Welcome to 30 Nerdy Podcast. We briefly interrupt. You know, it's funny. I didn't want to interrupt Ghostbusters month. Seeing as how I've, I've, we just started. Um, but this is worth interrupting Ghostbusters month. I, I, I believe, and I believe you believe this as well, Juice. Um, welcome to 30 and 30 podcast. Another week. And we are your hosts with the most hotter than French toast coming at you coast to coast. The, <clears throat> the prefects of the podcast world. Dr. Of Nerdonomics, the juice is loose. Josh Davis, y'all. And my name is Tyler Mack, your sweet tea of the nerdy south, your Duke of Nerds. Head boy, even. Head boy, even. And we are interrupting Ghostbusters a month. We're celebrating the 20th anniversary of the film Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Can you believe that, though, really? 20 years ago. I remember. <clears throat> I was 12 years old, uh, actually 11, about to turn 12. And I remember the summer before going into my sixth grade year, we were at Disney World. This was the last time I personally was at Disney World. And we were in the hotel room and we were watching the Syracuse versus Tennessee basketball game. And that was the first time they dropped the trailer to the Sorcerer's Stone movie. And let's see, I was in fifth grade, actually. Yeah, fifth winter of fifth, fifth grade, something like that, or fall of fifth grade or something like that. I remember we were um, we were at Disney World. It might have been our, our Labor Day vacation back when we had a whole week for Labor Day, basically, back in the day. Plus, we didn't when I was in elementary school, man, we didn't start school till September. So. It wasn't odd for us to be on vacation in August because July was just too hot and too busy. But I remember being in the hotel and seeing this commercial and seeing him hold the wand and the the stuff blow through his hair and the lights and seeing the grip hook lean over the desk and look was at Was this him. The, uh, the teaser trailer? Teaser. This was the teaser. Okay. Trailer. And like, you know, one shot was them walking in the Great Hall and the floating yes. candles and all that. Okay, yeah. And all you heard was, and I think there was the shot of like all the letters coming out of the fireplace and stuff like that. You know what? I remember seeing that for the first time as well, but it wasn't on TV. Uh, (laughs) You'd never guess in a million years, but I saw it uh, as a preview in the movie theater when I was seeing Big Mama's house. Oh my. At the movie theater. Yeah. Isn't that wild? And that was the only thing that I could take away from that whole day was they showed the preview for Harry Potter. I'm oh so God, there for it. I cannot wait. I, mean, I had of- read all the books already, so I was all in. Dude, I, I, I remember thinking, of course, I, I didn't possibly have the mentality that I do now. Oh, gosh. They're going to ruin it. Because back then you were that cynical even as a child no 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 i said i don't i didn't i remember not having i didn't have that oh okay remember that innocence though we had yeah. they could show 
the first Sorcerer's Stone trailer and us just be like, oh my God, we get to see it live. Real, yeah. real life magicians, and we're gonna get to see the Sorcerer's Stone, and we're gonna get to see the trials that they have to go through, and oh my God, we'll get to meet Professor Quirrell, and I mean, do you remember those days of innocence and I, I do not being a part of our mentality, and I don't remember how much we talked about this stuff because we've done a Harry Potter episode like season one of Thirty and Nerdy. It was more of just a general Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not specifically Sorcerer's Stone. My middle school experience was really unusual and different than most people. I went to, it's like a private school. Uh, there's eight or so kids there in the school. This lady ran it out of her house. It was basically homeschooled, but not. It's kind of weird. Anyway, she had the freedom to do whatever she wanted. So, you know, we would go on field trips to stuff that she felt was culturally important. The premiere of the Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, she felt was culturally important. We're a bunch of kids. We'd read the books. You know, me uh-huh. especially, I was obsessed. So we went to Knoxville as, on a field trip on November 16th, 2001. And we went to see that movie. And the news was there. And I got interviewed by the news. I can't really remember much about what they asked me or whatever. Uh, and my interview didn't really make it on TV, but they did include a shot. Uh, I had this necklace that had Hedwig on it uh. or something. And there was a shot of that. And you could see my hand coming up and like moving the little Hedwig thing around. And I remember telling the reporter like, oh, you know, I've read the book like three times and all that stuff. So I have very, very fond memories of, of the premiere and like the days leading up to it, being so excited. I remember there was the Harry Potter.com. Like I had just gotten the internet because I lived out in the around this time. They had a countdown on their website. So I was looking at that every day. I had done the thing where I had pinned papers up on my wall 10 days, nine days, and I would tear them off every day. I was that kid, all for this movie, man. So this is very special. We were a family who we would go to the midnight releases for the books um, when they were out and we would all, we would all read a chapter. Mom would read the one. No one would read one. And I would read a chapter and we'd do the voices. Like even in book one, when we started reading Harry Potter, like I remember creating my own voice to Snape at the time. And the way I read it, obviously, you know, I didn't think of Alan Rickman at the time when I was reading it. Um, my only run in with Alan Rickman before Harry Potter was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves and Die Hard. I mean, he was still fairly young when I was in fifth grade. So I didn't think, oh, you know, one day Alan Rickman will play this part. So when I was reading the book. My my voice I was doing for Snape was very, very coy and very, very much like this and just mean. And, but seeing it come to life, man, and just the trailer. I mean, I, I still get giddy about stuff um, with teasers and trailers. And whenever we're going to see movies, like I got giddy about scream five trailer uh a little bit i felt like oh man oh it's it's scream like that's my thing you know but not like this like there's still a, there's here there's cynicism and then there wasn't 
And that's one thing I, I'll always remember first about Harry Potter is the innocence I had when it came out. But I'm excited for this, man. I mean, they're, you know, and with Lord of the Rings, Fellowship is coming up too, you know, in December. And like, I think that's really what's hit me the hardest is 20 years have gone by already. Well, they don't call us 30 and nerdy for nothing, my friends. And it's true. All this stuff, you know, circling back around. It's been present for us the whole time, of course. But these anniversaries, yeah, it's we've we're longtime nerds, man. And I tend to enjoy our anniversary episodes because of all the reminiscing we do. Yeah, even like a long time ago, we did X Men First Class. Yeah, or I guess just a few months ago. But yeah, in uh, your anniversary yeah. of First Class, that was that was a lot of fun too. So yeah, I'm I'm really excited. HBO Max they released this cool little uh, special version of Sorcerer's Stone uh, to stream, and I did check that out. A lot of cool uh, features on there. I learned a lot of things. I thought that I knew pretty much all there was to know, but I, I learned a lot. Um, my appreciation for Chris Columbus, the director, uh, has, has grown a lot, uh, and, and we'll touch on that, but yeah, it's really, really exciting stuff. Um, looking forward to talking Harry Potter. Sweet, sweet. But before we get to all that, we've had some pretty big Marvel stuff happening. Um, we went and saw Eternals, uh, and I've been intrigued to get your thoughts because twice now we have made the trek of seeing an actual weekend night in Morristown movie instead of when we typically go a Sunday afternoon when we're typically the only ones in the theater which is kind of how we like it (laughs) Um, but now we, we yet again a second time we've been reminded why we stopped doing that uh, before people we are loud, people are obnoxious, people are inconsiderate, freaking inconsiderate teenagers yelling and talking. And one answered his phone in the middle of the movie. Oh, was that what that was? He the started was his really phone. Someone like two or three rows down from him, like turned around and said something to him, hangs up the phone. And did you hear him going, come up here and say it to my face? Come up here no. and say it to my face. I was I like, dude. There is a movie going on. And I think I told you when we were leaving, it's not just disrespectful to the people around you. It's disrespectful to the people on the screen doing the work that they do for you to come watch. It's just terrible. But yeah, I've not been pleased the past few times that we've been and it's been crowded like that. Um, Aside from that, though, other than that, thoughts, your thoughts. I really really liked it. I, di- I didn't leave with that same feeling of like, oh, wow, this was such a great, great thing like I did, like with Guardians. That's been the comparison a lot. It's that kind of unknown group, that cosmic uh, side of the Marvel Universe that we're not as well versed on. Uh, you know, fell in love with Guardians in that first movie. I love these characters. I'll say that. Like, um yeah. I don't even know all their names for sure, man. But the guy with the little uh, finger, the movie star guy. Oh, uh, Kingo or something. Yeah, Kingo. I really liked him a lot. Um, I love that actor. 
uh angelina jolie of course was great Selma hayek um all of them it was a great cast it was a interesting um concept i guess you'd say uh, all of it was great but it just didn't leave me with that oh i can't wait to see what happens next it didn't leave me with that feeling of like wonder and awe you know what i mean does that make sense no, I get it. And I think a lot of that, uh, I spoke with our dear friend Brent after, after he saw it. Um, and I wish I'd saved what he said. As a standalone, its own story, it was fantastic. But, and it was a nice, I, I do remember him saying it was a nice breath of fresh air to get to go into this movie and not have to worry about looking for connections or Easter eggs as much like this is not going to connect. You know, you're not going to, they mentioned Captain Rogers and they mentioned Iron Man, but there was no, like, we have to have connectivity to an entire massive universe. He was like, it was a breath of fresh air to get to go in and see a singular movie that didn't rely on that normal blueprint as much. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I agree. Uh, it was as a standalone movie. It was nice. Now, is the Eternals my cup of tea? Am I going to launch into reading them now? No, I'm not. I'm, yeah. I, it's just a lot. I mean, it's a lot for a few reasons. You know, it's it's a big cast. I mean, it's it's not just a few people you're introduced to. You're introduced to the entire group of the Eternals, and their backstory and there's a lot of back and forth between the past and the present and all that and which i enjoyed but i kind of agree with my manager brian when he said sometimes it was just like oh okay uh, we're going back again back to the past that never bothered me but i as a history buff i loved it because i was like oh we're in babylon oh or, oh, my God, this is, I love this. Oh, they were the reason that, you know, they created irrigation. Oh, the Eternals taught them. I loved that. I did enjoy that. The cast was strong. I really wanted an on-the-nose joke for the reunion of... Uh, Rob and John. Rob and John. I really wanted an on-the-nose joke, but I respect that they didn't do that. But everyone who saw Game of Thrones had to be sitting there going, Ugh. Yeah, I feel like it was one of those things like, they didn't have to say anything. No. Them just approaching each other and looking at each other. People are like, oh! <laughs> because, I, I mean, we were. This is the first time they're seeing each other because, I mean, when John left for the wall, he never saw Rob again. Nope. And now he, when he's seeing him, he's about to become the Black Knight. <laughs> Hey, John, haven't seen you since season one. <laughs> uh, the Dane stuff was great. It wasn't so like in your face. It was just there and it was done in the post credit scene, which I enjoyed. They didn't they didn't weigh us down with also a Black Knight origin within the Eternals. Right. Which could have been way too much to take on. So I'm really excited they did it that way. The action was so good. Mm -hmm. All the action was great. Yeah. Um, I know everybody seems to be the the talk out of the generation under us after seeing this movie is Druig is the 
hot to trot, sexy, depressive soul that every girl is loving right now. I'm, I'm like, Druig? Ooh. What is it with these pasty, I know. homely dudes being like the, Everybody like, like uh, Tom Hiddleston? Yeah. He's a great actor. Amazing. Yeah. But he ain't that I, handsome. He's just that pasty Maybe British. Maybe it is, yeah. I mean, the thin, pale British guy. They love it these days. They love it. My goodness. I mean, it could be the most homely, pale person, but if they come up and they're like, hello. Oh, my God, he's so sexy. Well, but that being said, the kids are also pretty crazy about Tom Holland, too. Yeah. So I I hear a lot of that when the kids know I'm Spider-Man. A lot of the girls are like, oh, my gosh, isn't it? Uh, Tom Holland just... I'm on the best Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, sure. How so hot? He's he's so hot. Like he's well, you know, he's Parker's daddy. not really supposed to be hot, but you know, what I don't think doing. we're seeing him the same way, dear. I I, I don't think we see him the same I'm way. I'm glad they picked a guy that was like under almost 30 to, to, yeah. to be spider-man i wanted a a, a young like a, a young guy who looks like he could be in high school <laughs> but hey speaking of spider-man the trailer dropped uh literally three hours ago yes uh we were uh we're in final dress we open our show this thursday and so once intermission hit um it was time to watch the trailer for a lot of us that's what we most of us spent intermission doing was we all grabbed our phones and watch the trailer bro i when i pulled the video up it had six views that's how quick i jumped in on it oh so i was literally one of the first you know out of the general public so (laughs) proud of that it's an intense trailer no how rare is that to say though these days i was one of the first six to see it i mean i guess i was seven but but yeah but really? dude, there's a lot in this trailer. Oh, yeah. A lot of information. Uh, got some. So I guess if there's anybody out there who is trying to avoid all the Spider-Man stuff, I know some yes. people are doing that. I'm not in that camp yet. Um, I heard there's leaks out there, so I'm trying yeah, to. Yeah, um, uh, if you're leaking Spider-Man stuff, you you kind of suck. Yeah, don't ruin it for everybody. You've seen it, and you're leaking stuff like you you legitimately suck um but i'm really excited seeing more of the green goblin stuff Uh, really really got me pumped and hearing him speak you know i love um, hearing willem dafoe electro looks awesome like electro should um everything about now we get no no appearances of Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield yet. Which, if they're in it, I would I, rather I, it be a theater surprise, wouldn't you? Yeah, I agree. I, I, would prefer I, I, that. I did not want to see them in this trailer. There's some talk already in the past three hours because you know everybody's got it all figured out. Apparently, there's some mistake, some big mistake that that Marvel made on the trailer in like the south american version or something there's that bit where 
Spider-Man's kind of swinging in and sand, it's Sandman's really big face and he's ooh, making a fist. Yeah. And you can see Electro floating up there and Lizard's there. You see get a real good look of, of Lizard. Yeah. Well, you zoom in on it and like Lizard kind of looks like he's being punched in the face. And but so people say, there. oh, it's Andrew Garfield. And they went in and they digitally they removed him. So it won't give away the, the big surprise. Could be, could be true, maybe. But I just feel like that's not it. Uh, because right behind Lizard is Sandman making that big fist and there's a bunch of stuff getting blown away behind him. I sort of took it as that was a big gust of wind hitting Lizard. And it's because like the... They're going to have the moment where you get six villains working together. It never goes well. There's egos and there's who's crazier than the other one. And they never get along in the long run. And Do I would we imagine. Uh, well, we got uh, see Doc. We got, Man. we got Doc. We got Goblin. Goblin. We got Electro. Electro. Lizard. We got Lizard. That's uh, five. We didn't so see Rhino. They could bring Rhino in, but I feel like that would be a joke. Yeah. Paul Giamatti. And that's um, could be Rhino. Who else have we had? Uh, Topher Grace could be back as Venom. We've had Venom. And it could be Topher Grace's Venom versus Tom Hardy's Venom. <laughs> Tom, Tom Hardy just like what? eats him. <laughs> with him. Um, have we, Vulture. Could, oh, I bet Vulture pops up. Could be. I bet Keaton's in it and we just haven't seen him. I'm expecting that there's going to be a, a lot more big surprises because I just sort of feel like with all the talk over the past couple of years since we've known that this was in, in the works, yeah, it's sort of like the expectations are so high, possibly too high. The expectations for them to bring it. I mean, go big go or go home, put everything that they can into this one. And I guess it's still, as of right now, the last Spider-Man we're going to get for a long, long time, for the foreseeable future, uh, and especially the last one for Tom Holland because Sony and Marvel still have not really worked out the uh, the Spider-Man deal. No. So, And we've you know, already discussed the fact that Disney can't really buy Sony completely because that would put them over the the percentage of becoming a monopoly. They couldn't buy Sony as a whole. And Sony's not just going to sell just because that's their their cash cow. I do. I I have heard that we could get surprised with the live action Miles Morales showing up. Yeah, I've heard a little bit of that. That there's uh, that a possibility be he's been cast and it's been extremely secretive and he's mm-hmm. going to show up. Yeah, I could see that happening. I mean, with multiverse, anything is possible. So they can really quickly go through a little origin story for him. Kind of like if you've seen the animated uh, Into the Spider-Verse, they introduce five or six different versions of Spider-Man there and it's all quick. All right, here it was. Yeah. I'm so-and-so. I was born in this place. I was bitten by a spider and now I'm Spider-Man. Boom, you know, so they could easily do that. And maybe that's who's punching lizard. If anybody's punching lizard, could maybe be. that's why we can't see him. Cause miles does have that 
invisibility power. So he does. who knows? But I'm excited, man. I'm I'm really excited. Eternals was good. Uh, Spider-Man trailer is exciting. I know there's a lot in it to to digest and. You know, if you're really into those types of videos and stuff like that, they're out there. If you follow oh, those YouTubers that digest and break down and slow it down and give you their opinions and their conspiracies, like I guarantee you, Mephisto's name is being passed <laughs> around already. I would guarantee it. Um, and with that name, I'm not going to believe anything about Mephisto until he shows up on a screen. Well, I heard that there was a leak on the cast list on IMDb, and next to Marissa Tomei's name, it said Aunt May slash Mephisto. Oh. Mm. Mistake? Conspiracy? Conspiracy? I don't know. Illuminati confirmed. Possibly. <laughs> Can't even trust the, the hot ant. Well, and we've also learned, though, that Marvel has gotten into the game of a trailer showing one thing and then not doing that. Yeah, they finally realized we can put out trailers and give people the the outline, but not give them what they've seen in the trailer. Because right. I still use that as like the the Infinity War trailer or the Endgame trailer. There's still that trailer of the Hulk fighting in Wakanda. In the trailer, he fights in Wakanda and in Infinity War. Sorry, and that never happened. Oh, you mean instead of him being in the Hulkbuster? Yeah, suit? it's him. It's him running as the Hulk mm -hmm. in Wakanda alongside uh, Bucky and uh, Black Widow and Black Panther and all that. And that never happened. But they put it in the trailer. Things change. So, yeah. Things change a lot. So uh, who knows? I'm I'm really looking forward to it. We got like a month to go. Uh, yeah, this is definitely the last trailer. So. It's gonna be a long wait, but uh, it's gonna be well worth it. I can I can Absolutely. feel it. I, I haven't been this excited for something since Endgame. So really, really looking forward to it. And with that, before we get to Harry Potter, I know I talked about we're interrupting Ghostbusters month. This weekend, Afterlife comes out. So I am excited. And I've already told Christopher that the three of us will see it together somehow. Because um, he's, you know, he's the reason I liked Ghostbusters, you know, him and my grandfather. So he's got to see it with us. I, I want to see both y'all, especially him, you know, because he, he does the slap thing too, like we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've gotten the, the slap from Chris Mack a few times over uh, wrestling things before. <laughs> And I, and I really uh, did not mean to slap you as hard as I did in that eternal post. Oh man! But I knew that voice. I knew exactly who that voice was. Um, and uh, we're not going to spoil anything. Go watch Eternals. Stay for both credit scenes. Uh, if you have seen it, let us know how you feel. Uh, I know in our Twitter group chat, uh, Ken M said it really wasn't his cup of tea. He enjoyed it, but the Eternals just don't. And I feel the same way. I enjoyed it. But the Eternals just aren't my, you know. It's not going to be my go-to. Yeah. Um, for sure. And and I did feel like maybe it was a little too long. One scene that shocked me was the, the sexy scene in the sand. That's mm -hmm. probably the most sexy Marvel has gotten. 
Um, yeah. Uh, I was, was... had a scene like that in uh, Ed Norton Hulk, but he decided it wasn't smart for him to get too uh, excited. Yeah, I was like, this is interesting. They've never really shown us something like this before. Yeah. Um, and interesting that it's Disney, and I'm not saying Disney can't do adult stuff, but, you know, it was just interesting and probably a scene we didn't necessarily have to have. I actually saw that uh, there was a little write-up about that moment. The director was able to capture that whole sequence in, like, two hours mm-hmm. or, or less. It was a really short uh, uh, shooting day for that moment. They shot it like one time and they were all happy with it. Well, after, after seeing the movie, I now understood what she meant when she said, I drew a lot from Snyder's DC films. Like she's a fan of his DC films and his cinematography and the, the way he tells the story with characters more so than dialogue per se. And uh, I could see a lot of Snyderisms in her directing and could understand now why she said it. And you definitely see where she, she pulled from Snyder a little bit. Um, but I enjoyed it. I can't wait for Spider-Man. I can't wait for Ghostbusters Afterlife. I'm excited to talk Harry Potter, which we are going to do. Uh, momentarily, we're going to take a quick break quick little intermission and when we come back we're celebrating 20 years of the sorcerer's stone tennessee legend distillery was founded in 2015 and has quickly become one of the top distilleries for natural extracts and ingredients in its spirits with no high fructose corn syrup artificial sweeteners or harmful ingredients tennessee legend distillery has four locations in the state of tennessee with our Newport, Sevierville, Cookville, and Nashville distilleries. You see, at Tennessee Legend Distillery, we have spent more time focused on the quality of our spirits than the number of our stores. We have a great selection of non-flavored spirits as well, like vodka, bourbon, whiskey, and gin. Tennessee Legend Distillery has multiple awards and medals for state, national, and international spirit contests, and even carries 2019's Best Tasting Whiskey in the state of Tennessee with our Salted Caramel 60 Proof Whiskey. We offer discounts for veterans, active military, nurses, police officers, firefighters, first responders, and even multiple bottle discounts don't live in Tennessee, we ship to select states. Go to GACraftSpirits.com to see if we deliver to you. That's G-A-C-R-A-F-T-S-P-I-R-I-T-S dot com. If you stop by the Sevierville location, tell them 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you and be a legend with Tennessee Legend Distillery by receiving a free shot glass and 15% off of your order. What are you waiting for? Cheers to you. Thirty Nerdy's presenting sponsor and the home of all of the official Thirty Nerdy swag is Advertising Expressions. Juice, what would Superman be without the big S on his shirt? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about Iron Man? What, what if he couldn't slap that Stark Industries logo on everything? 
You know, Clark and Tony, they probably go to Advertising Expressions, like us, for all their advertising needs. Oh, yeah. And so should you. And when you need your own symbol, like for work, church, school, a team of super friends maybe, check out Advertising Expressions. They can help you get your name and logo in front of as many people as possible, as often as possible, for as long as possible. That's right. So whether you're a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist, or faster than a speeding bullet, check out Advertising Expressions at advertising-expressions.com. Or give them a call at 423-586-3270. And tell them the nerds at 30 and Nerdy Podcast sent you. Do you love Marvel but are tired of hearing Cheeto-stained white guys talk about it? Are you hoping to see the X-Men and Avengers face off? Do you secretly want to be Jessica Jones or Daisy Johnson? Or do you want to be with Valkyrie? If so, you've found your new favorite podcast. We're your hosts, Madam Chris. And Madam Amy. And we are here to give you the commentary you want. Marvel, minus the mansplaining. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and visit us at themarvelousmadams.com. Madams, assemble. Welcome back, nerds. It's been 20 years since the debut of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, the movie. Um, it changed so many lives. Our lives, definitely forever. Uh, you had people our age patiently sitting around waiting for their letter to Hogwarts. Um, but now that we're, you know, 32, uh, I would imagine that's not happening. Uh, but there's still hope for becoming a Jedi, maybe. We could still... I just knew that if I could go to Hogwarts for real, I would have been a great student. Like, not like Hermione, but I would have just been so interested in all of it. And I would have wanted to perfect all my spells and all my curses and everything else that they teach you. I would have been a great Hogwarts student for sure. And I did have those little... Those little, you know, daydreams of like, oh, what would it be like? Wouldn't it be so cool? You can it just imagine so nice. being in that great hall with all that amazing food, the endless food that they, they can have. The candles floating. Yeah, the, the floating candles, the, the enchanted ceiling that looks like the sky outside. Christmas, it snows. At Halloween, there's pumpkins floating. I mean, Getting God. lost because of the moving staircases passwords to get in your dorm rooms what a place hogwarts is just so cool nearly headless nick interrupting your lunch well yeah but he prefers sir nicholas sir nicholas yes sir nicholas so harry potter the sorcerer's stone and other parts of the world the philosopher's stone uh yes. made that change because they felt like in america they felt like philosopher was a little too archaic uh, uh jk rowling was the one who actually said oh well how about this instead uh since then she has said she does regret that she went along with that but at that point this was the first book she wasn't in the position that she 
would come to be in later on. So she was like, okay, I'm just going to work with these people. Yeah. Uh, Does it really matter though? I don't feel like it does, but I'm not the author, you know, so whatever. But the Sorcerer's Stone, as we know it, had a budget of $125 million at the box office. This is pretty crazy. I didn't know this. Brought in over a billion dollars at the box office. Billion dollars. Uh, 1.007. My God. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of galleons. That is a lot of galleons. <laughs> uh, it was directed by Chris Columbus, who we know from Home Alone and, and, and things like that. Music by John Williams, of course. Iconic uh, themes that he did for the Harry Potter series. Da, 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 all that stuff. Um, he worked a lot with Chris Columbus. So that was just another <laughs> collaboration for the two of them. And here we are 20 years later. And we've already talked about some of our memories of you know, going to see the movie for the first time and the anticipation of, of, of the movie coming out. And then the following year, we got Chamber of Secrets that next November. I mean, they were just knocking them out. Boom, it boom. became boom. a November thing. Uh, at least for those two, I think there was a little bit of a longer wait for the third one. And then uh, the last few came out pretty yeah. quick. They, yeah. they had to sort of get things moving before these kids got too old. Mm-hmm. And they grew pretty quickly. Yeah. So, uh, as I mentioned earlier, HBO Max, they've released this cool little uh, 20-year special anniversary edition mm-hmm. of the movie. And I did take the time to go back and watch it this past week. Uh, I think, aren't you one of those watch through Harry Potter at least once a year kind of guys? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. we always do the, the saga once a year. Uh, so, I'm not one of those guys. So, I think the last time I would have seen this would be like way before we did the Harry Potter episode. Yeah. So like three, three years ago or so. Three years. And then before that, Lord, who knows when, but there was a time in my life when a, a young nerdy juice uh, knew every word to this movie could say every line with the same inflection and voice and accent as the actors from start to finish. This was one of those put it on repeat. Yeah. A couple times a day sometimes if I'm just hanging out at home. Put it on silent and I'll do the whole movie for you. Exactly. <laughs> One of those. Yeah. And and I would, like, if I'm mowing the yard or something, it's like, all right, let's see if I can, how far into Sorcerer's Stone I can I can get <laughs> as a younger uh, fella. I couldn't do it today. Some of it I probably could. Like, if I had the script in front of me, I could probably imitate a majority of the movie. So, uh, but I learned a lot. I I felt like there was probably not going to be much that would be different from this experience of watching this, you know, 20 year special version, but there was a ton of stuff. So they had like a little trivia thing, little question would pop up. All the trivia questions were super, super easy. So that part I didn't care about, but they would also have like parts where they pulled directly from the book, some of the dialogue and they would at the bottom of the screen, it would, show you the text from the book and it's literally exactly what's happening or what's being said in the movie. Other little tidbits and like, Oh, here's how you pronounce this spell or, you know, look for the golden snitch, all kinds of little mini games and stuff. But the thing I loved about it the most was 
they had Chris Columbus. I guess he was watching it as well, and he was just sort of doing like a little commentary. It would pop up in the bottom corner. You could see him talking about it. We would love Chris Columbus because he, this whole movie, he just kept hitting home something that we've talked a lot about, especially in recent uh, weeks. And that's practical special effects versus, you know, CGI special effects. Mm -hmm. Probably in at least every little snippet of him, he talked about, oh, we did this with practical effects. We did this with CG. We wanted to do this with CG, but we decided, you know, whatever. He talked about that all the time and and the difference that it would make and, and, and the feel of it. And he talked about how, like, for example, Fluffy's paw, if you remember when they're he's asleep and they're moving it off of the trap door, mm-hmm. that's a CG paw that they're moving. Yeah. But on the set that day, they had built like a cushiony dog paw that uh-huh. they were going to use for the shot, not just for the kids to move, but that was going to be it. And then when they looked at it, they thought, eh, it looks like a cushion. So yeah. they had to go in and like draw over that the CG uh, Fluffy's uh, paw. I mean, that's that's the thing I have to say is if there's no way to practically do it, sure. Use your CGI. But if you can do practical, always go practical. And the later movies didn't do that as much. No. You know? And I feel like it made a difference. And not in a good way. No. We've said numerous times, like, we love the practical stuff. And clearly, uh, Chris Columbus does, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, the letters coming out of the fireplace when, uh, Harry's still living with the Dursleys. Yeah. All of those were real. God, do they have a vacuum? I don't know how they did it, but he said, you know, it's the shot when there's all the owls kind of sitting on the roof outside. Cause they've been uh, bringing all these endless letters to Harry. A lot of those owls were you know, cut in there and CG and stuff. But he said we could easily today just computer generate thousands of letters flying into the room. But he said that he wanted there to be something there, tangible, practical for the actors to react to. Exactly. He talked about how it's, it's one of his favorite moments of, of Dan Radcliffe because this is the first time really that Harry has smiled or felt happy pretty much at all other than like you know the glass disappearing and dudley falling into the snake pit but that was just for a brief moment because he knew he was about to get blamed for that yeah uh but this all these letters flying into his face all that stuff 100 real and i just thought that was amazing because I, I, I didn't know that sunday do you know why i love okay. sunday? Oh, sunday no post on sunday no post on sunday um another thing i didn't think about is when they're walking into the zoo Harry walks by all these school kids in uniform. Mm-hmm. All those kids are wearing green. That was on purpose. That's Fair foreshadowing. Enough. Yeah, they're not Slytherin, but foreshadowing. foreshadowing snakes. The same, yeah, and they're walking into the snake exhibit. Right. Mm. So that's pretty cool. Um, the uh, going to uh, uh, the, the, the Hogwarts Express at King's Cross. Yes. Another thing never realized before, never noticed. It's only for like a brief 
little second, but right when he comes through the magical barrier of uh, platform nine and three quarters, and he sees the, the train for the first time, we get that long, wide shot of the train. There's Neville getting his stuff put on the train, and he's with Gran. We see Gran for one second, one and only time in the entire series. I had to actually rewind, go back, and, and pause it because uh, that was one of the little things that popped up on the screen. Like, oh, get, we're going to see Gran right here with Neville. Oh, only time God. that ever happens. And he talks about Gran so much in the books. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, as and as you learn, but also really gets hit home in the later movies is, you know, his parents were killed by Bellatrix Lestrange. So Tortured to madness. They were a lot. Tortured to madness. Yeah, they were just madness. not... Because that was a whole thing in I guess, mom and dad. the fifth book, like they go to the the magical hospital. Yeah. And Neville's parents are there. Gilderoy Lockhart's there after his little memory uh, loss sword? situation happened. This guy's got a sword. He'll give you one. That is my favorite Lockhart <laughs> line. Sword? I haven't got a sword. This boy does, though. He'll give you one. Uh, speaking of Neville. Uh, another thing that's really obvious, but I didn't think about it. All the kids are there having breakfast in the Great Hall, and Neville gets a package from his gran, and it's a remembrall. And, of course, you know, he holds it and turns red right away. Neville's forgotten something, but the only problem is he can't remember what he's forgotten. Well, if you take a look around, all the kids that he's hanging out with, they're ready for school. They've got their robes on, ready to go. Poor Neville, what does he not have? He's not wearing his robes. That's what the Remembral was was trying to tell him. And it's like, oh, of oh, course. Dress code. Oh, yeah. Um, so let's see what else we learned. One thing that was really annoying about it that I didn't like, uh, the HBO Max version of this, by the way, was like certain lines or or you know, words or, or sounds, they would have this weird font like digitally added that yeah. would come on the screen. Like, you're a wizard, Harry, would pop up next to Hagrid's head. Like and I get it. Like, <laughs> this is really, exactly, yeah. Like, this is a really <laughs> important moment or a really important thing. And I first noticed it in the beginning, like, you know, when Harry's in the cupboard and Dudley's stomping on the steps and the dust is falling out. Wake up, wake up, cousin. They spelled out wake up cousin in the dust that was falling i was like what what was that i thought i was tripping and uh it was a thing and they do that consistently through the whole movie and got really annoying so lots of as an adhd person yeah it was really tough with all the pop popping up you know things the whole movie okay can we talk about the scene when they're the, the flying lessons Ah, yes. It's Madam Hooch. You remember that, right? Yes. Madam Hooch would be a horrible, horrible public school teacher. She would She would not get tenure. She would not. Uh, in public schools, she probably wouldn't be back the next day because not only did she allow this horrible accident to happen right in front of her. Like, she literally was right in front of Neville pointing her wand at him to do something. She jumped out of the way. She couldn't, like, do one of those things to slow his fall or something that happened in one of the books Dumbledore do like 
she couldn't do do something like she's the flying teacher. They don't expect memento. I think is is the spell that slows down Harry when he falls. Uh, right. She easily could have done that. No, but but nothing like you're the flying teacher. You're not prepared for these accidents to happen. You're just gonna let this dude fall off the the broom right. and hard. almost you know like if he didn't get caught on that little statue with the spear, he could have died. And then she leaves all of them alone there. They're 11 year olds. Okay, guys, you just stay here. Don't burn anything down. I'll be back. And by the way, if you, uh, if I say, you're going to be expelled. What'd you say? If I see anyone on their brooms before I get back, you'll be expelled quicker than you can say Quidditch. Yeah, right. Of course, that didn't happen. Uh, they didn't listen because guess what? They're children. They're 11 year olds. You know what would happen if I was like, all right, guys, I'm going to just leave y'all here in the theater today. Uh, I'm going to go take care of this. You'll be fine. But hey, with don't all do these prop swords and things that you shouldn't be playing with. Don't touch yeah. anything. I'll be back. They're 11 year olds. My my butt at 11 would have been like, I'm going to touch this sword now. Exactly. So, yeah, she would not make it in public school because it's a no, no. You don't you don't leave the children. No. Maybe it's because they're British children and they're uh, better behaved. Quite Most possibly. of them. anyway. I don't know. Possibly. And maybe even in the wizarding world, they're like, I gave them rules, but like, this is the wizarding world where you have to learn more by experience as opposed to being told. Yeah. Because they are pretty, they're not, I'm not going to say lenient, you know, they deduct points when things go awry, but like, they're still learning. Oh, shouldn't do that. Mm-hmm. No. A little better than, you know, in public school, they would have nipped it in the butt and this will never happen again. Do you remember uh, when the DVD came out? Did you get the DVD back mm-hmm. in the day? I've still got <laughs> still got all of them. I've still got the same exact one that I got as a kid yeah. almost 20 years ago. But do you remember on like the second disc, there was a like to get to the deleted scenes, you couldn't just click deleted scenes like you had to go through a little mini game to get to it like you had to go and click on the right bricks to get into Diagon Alley and mix a potion and all kinds of stuff just to get to the deleted scenes they went ahead and included those in this cut okay so there was like a little effect to show you oh we're doing something different now it was like a port key or something I don't know and um and then they would show the deleted scenes. So I had seen all the deleted scenes, just didn't really remember them very well. But there was one where they they cut it out. And I think it was the right call. It was after we first meet Snape. And, of course, he puts Harry on the spot like, oh, what do I get if I mix this with that? And where do yeah. I find a Bezoar and all that? Well, they had filmed this part where uh, right after he says, clearly fame isn't everything. And Harry goes, well, clearly Hermione knows. Seems a pity you don't ask her. Even though Snape's being a little rude, I felt like that was extremely, extremely disrespectful. <laughs> uh, the teacher in you. I'm sure it is the teacher in me, but I just couldn't imagine that. Like, I'm sorry, what? Uh, granted, yeah, Snape was was wrong for putting him on the spot and stuff, but he's Snape or, and whatever. But sometimes you get mean teachers, man, and you just have to suck it up and deal with it. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't like that. So I thought it was a good move to 
cut it. That out. I thought it was it, it was it was it was against Harry's character for the first movie. It wasn't a good look for him because yeah. especially like day one. You yeah. know, like maybe if it had been, okay, I've been in this dude's class for the entire year and he he puts me down like this every day. Finally, I lost my cool. Yeah. I could accept that. Yeah. I don't know. I'm probably yeah. just thinking too much about it, but you're right. It's probably the teacher in me. <laughs> All the reason I brought that particular moment up was because you talked about like deducting house points and stuff yeah. uh, because Snape took a, a whopping five points from Gryffindor for that. Five points. And five points will be taken from Gryffindor for your classmate's cheek. <laughs> he was pretty cheeky, wasn't he? He was. Uh, okay, let's talk Quidditch. <sighs> I wish the sport was real. Well, actually, Tyler, to an there is such a thing as Muggle Quidditch. Have I talked to you about this before? Uh, we actually have a friend who played it when she was overseas. Uh, as an au pair, Lindsay Medford. Uh, uh, you also have a friend who you co-host the podcast with who has played Quidditch. Who played was on a team. Carson Newman? No, because I didn't go to Carson Newman. Tusculum. Tusculum uh, yeah. I did go to Tusculum. Uh, and yes, we had a Quidditch team. Wow. I was the keeper. Nice. And I was okay. Uh, but it was really, there was a lot of rules. There's a lot to think about. And you know how the, the twins say, oh, rough game, Quidditch. It was rough sometimes. Nobody's died. <laughs> some people disappear for a little bit. Then they turn up in a month or two. It's no big deal. Uh, now, I had the wind knocked out of me a couple of times. We, we did have uh, some rough uh, physical Quidditch matches. It was a lot of fun. I remember when I was working at GameStop, I, I was telling the manager about playing Quidditch, and he just laughed and laughed and made fun of me, and he said something very rude about me and my uh, – I'll just say, can, can, you, can you bleep me here? He was like, dude, you're playing Quidditch. Have you ever even seen a vagina? <laughs> and I was like, actually, good sir – a bunch of the cheerleaders are on the Quidditch team with me. <laughs> I was hanging out with the cheerleaders while I was playing Quidditch. So, uh, hey, who's laughing now? Worked out pretty good for me. But yeah, Quidditch. So, uh, this is one of those parts where Chris Columbus had a little, a uh, little aside. bit of input aside, whatever you want to call it. And he talked about, you know, visualizing Quidditch. And, and that was the one question that people asked him the most. How in the world are you going to do Quidditch? Obviously, they had to do a ton of CGI stuff. But yeah. just the appearance of the of the stadium itself, in the books, it's just a regular stadium, not much to it. And I think you can see it in some of the uh, covers a couple times in the in the distance, not much to it. He was the one who came up with the idea to add those big risers, the big uh, uh, posts and stuff, uh, because that's something that they can interact with. They can fly around. It's not gonna be as uh, it's not gonna be as interesting, I guess, if they're just flying around in the in the middle of the air in a field, right? Yeah. So you wanted to add something to raise the stakes a little bit, something that was an obstacle they could fly into, fly around, uh, and. 
they also wanted to have this feeling of like it's enclosed, you know, it, it just added a little bit of a uh, sense of drama to yeah. it. And I think that's the right call. So Quidditch was always uh, a sequence that I enjoyed in all the movies, all the Quidditch, all the flying stuff. Yeah. Some of my favorite parts. Because it really added stakes to it because exactly. it wasn't just a sports game like we play football or soccer or baseball. Like the stakes in this game are higher than any sport muggles ever played. Just anything can happen at any time. They said on another one of those little magical pop-ups that uh, I guess this is like some of the lore that I didn't know that Quidditch originally was played with some sort of a bird. And then they realized like animal cruelty and maybe this isn't good for the bird. Um, <laughs> so then they invented the snitch, uh, which gets you how many points when you catch it? 150. There you go. Ding, ding, ding. And that's the only way the game can end. Yes. Uh, I had a few other things that uh, I learned that I jotted down here that I'll just go ahead and share with you. So we, uh, the mirror of Erised. Uh, I think we talked about that when we did our Harry Potter episode before, because I talked well, about how we talked about what we would see. Well, that and Erised backwards is desire. Oh, yes. You also, if you look at it around sort of the frame of the mirror, there's all this Latin. You know, mm-hmm. and I never thought anything about it, like, oh, what does that mean, or anything like that. Never really cared about it. Well, it's not Latin. If you look at it backwards, much like Era said, desire, it says, I show not your face, but your heart's desire. That's what attention to detail, because I don't believe that there's any indication of that in the books. Not that uh, I can recall. It's been a minute since I've read any of the Harry Potter books, but I don't remember there being a description of, oh, it had words around it or whatever. I think that's just for the movies. And what a good call. And I think sometimes some of the best details are the details that people don't notice. Yeah. That people overlook. Because then when you do see it for the first time or you do learn it 20 years later, you're like, I've seen this movie like a hundred times and I didn't put this together or that together or or anything like that. Well, and it's almost like uh, if it's just for the movie, it's kind of like Chris Columbus adding his own lore to the legacy of Harry Potter. You can tell that he has such love and regard for this whole world. Yeah. Um, you can just tell when he's talking about it and how excited he is about it. And actually, his daughter, the redhead who played Susan Bones. That's Only American kid. in the movie. No, uh, that's not true. Uh, uh, in the first one? Which one was Julianne Huff in? She wasn't in the first one? No. She was in at least one of them. I thought it was this one. Maybe not. I remember the first one being the big deal being that uh, his niece or whatever was the only American in the movie. His daughter. Well, daughter. he had Chris Columbus actually was also like, in Home Alone. Julianne Huff was or his daughter? His daughter. Oh. Yeah. Um, 
he actually has like three kids and I don't know if all of them were in it, but his son was one in um, Diagon Alley with his face up to the window looking at the 2000. I believe I spoke about this the last time we talked about Harry Potter. Um, I've been down Diagon Alley. Yeah. Edinburgh, Scotland is where that was filmed. Well, and I wanted to ask you about that because not all of Diagon Alley was there. They did some of it on a soundstage that they built because he talked about that. Yes. The buildings, when you walk down early Diagon Alley, which I can't remember the real name of it in Edinburgh, it's the stone and the storefronts early on, like when Harry and Haggard are first walking down it, those storefront, those first five or six on each side, those storefronts are there. Mm. They were just designed for the movie. And actually, Diagon Alley is way wider than they shot it as. They shrunk it to be a much smaller alley. It's actually a pretty good size street, actually. He talked about how he wanted he wanted Diagon Alley to look like it had been there for hundreds of years. And it did. It did give that impression. Well, it has been. <laughs> and plus, when you it has. Like, like at Ollivander's, you know, makers of fine wines since yeah. like three something, 382 yeah. BC or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Dang. Which that's a, that's a fun little game to play too, because Ollivander's, if you look at it, if you cross the lore between Harry Potter and our, our real world, Ollivander's has been there since before Christ. Like, think about that. <laughs> like, oh wow, that's a that's a that's an old shop, and that's crazy detail. But what's what's crazy about Diagon Alley in Edinburgh is it's literally across the street from where in Endgame or Infinity War, uh, the shop window that Vision and Wanda are attacked at, right across the street from Diagon Alley. Mm-hmm that shop window is i was like this is crazy because this looks like diagon alley old cobbled stone road and older build looking buildings then just you look across the street and it's modern buildings where they're attacked in and scotland so uh it's pretty interesting um i have yet to go to universal and get my wand and yeah visit hogwarts and diagon alley there and take the train the the hogwarts express i mean everything that that became a thing i've been like why are we not going to universal (laughs) like oh yeah come on and i've been looking forward to that and we're we're waiting for the nephews to become a certain age before we take that trip Mm -hmm. to to florida to orlando so probably smart it is it is but you know uh, we could have easily went before nephews were born when tyler wanted to go (laughs) it's a lot of fun i've been a couple times now i haven't been since they opened up that second part like you can go i get i don't know if you can go in green gods but you definitely can be outside it they've got a dragon on it that breeds fire and everything yeah you can ride the train. I've not done any of that, but like I've been to uh, like the three broomsticks and 
or I guess it's the Leaky Cauldron. Leaky Cauldron. Yeah. I've uh, been there and, and been in the Hogwarts deal and been on the ride and stuff. It's really, really cool. I, Universal as a whole, when if you're going on a trip where you've been to Disney and then you go to Universal, it's like Disney just it outweighs it by so much. Because at Disney, I feel like I've spent lots of money, but I don't even realize I've spent the money because I'm just so happy and enjoying everything and everything's so wonderful. At Universal, I was like, God, all this stuff is overpriced. <laughs> I remember the the first and only time I went to Universal. Um, Lord, nineteen ninety nine, two thousand. <laughs> um, my mom and dad. One of the biggest arguments I saw them get into was over the fact that my mom bought me a seventy five dollar foot and a half, two foot replica of the Terminator. He got so mad at that. $75 for this thing. And I'm just carrying it around like all willy-nilly. And she's like, chill out. This is vacation. He wanted it. <laughs> Looking back at it now, like how long the toy lasted wasn't $75 worth. No. It theme broke park two weeks last. later. It broke. I was like. Oh, yeah. Looking back at oh. it now, I would yank my hair and I'd go. I'd look at me, I'd go, Tyler, you're going to want that $75 when you're 32. Trust me, you're going to want it. You're going to you know the value of $75 when you're an old man. <laughs> oh, yeah, we took Emma to the Disney on Ice deal this past weekend, and they have all the overpriced, ridiculous light, light up swords and light up things. And yeah, and I'm the guy who's like, okay. Our kids got a billion things. She does not need everything. We can just go and watch the show and have a great time. And we'll be happy with that. She doesn't need this stuff because she's got so many things that make noise and light up. Well, we left with. <laughs> yeah, it's her mother who's like, oh, well, we've got to get a snow cone in the Olaf cup. And oh, she just sees all these things. We got to get her the magic wand with Dory on top. And it's like, we really don't really know <laughs> or we um, don't have to. If the Dory one was like 10 bucks, I'd be like, oh, yeah, sure. We'll have a few days of enjoyment with the Dory one. But like 30, whatever it was. No, thank you. That's but, you know, I'm just dad. I don't yeah. <laughs> I don't call the shots around here. Speaking of the money. Um, have, have you ever looked into the the comparison between galleons and like american dollars i have not to see how much it'd be interesting to know how much american dollars was in harry potter's vault oh i was thinking about the vault and the potters and all that stuff actually as well but i was just kind of thinking like what in the world did the potters do to have all this money left behind for Harry. Is it that it's just, this is the money that they had and it's really not that much, but for an 11 year old kid who has Nothing. had it, but not been able to use it for all this time, it seems like a lot. Or was it like a little fortune that they had? How did they get it? I don't know. Are they the Bonnie and Clyde of the wizarding world? Or are they like, maybe they were bounty hunters. 
for Dumbledore and got paid. Well, I think James was an Auror. Was Lily James was an Auror, and I bet they were well paid. Lily, she wasn't an Auror, was she? No, Lily's parents were, were not wealthy. Petunia's parents. I know that, but were they wealthy? Was it ever said that if they were wealthy? Huh. No. Oh, they were so happy when her letter came. Um, I don't know. I'd be interesting to know uh, where they got the, the legallians from, how they made their fortune. Maybe they just were good investors. Maybe they let their money work for them, you know? Invested on the wizarding stock market. Or maybe it's magic and they were just like, we could use a hundred galleons. All right. Hundred and gallons. then the poor Weasleys just never learned that that never they were sick that. that day. All all the Weasleys were were sick the day they learned the spell of how to duplicate money, and that's why they're poor. Yeah, exactly. That's the true story. Hey, have you ever seen any versions or read any version that says philosophers instead of sorcerers? Um, the book, The Philosopher's Stone, the only time I've ever seen a copy of it was at the New York Library as The Philosopher's Stone, but I didn't obviously check it out because I wasn't from New York, <laughs> but... Uh there was one scene, I don't know if it was like accidental or what, because they said sorcerers through the whole thing. I think it's the part where like it's near the end and then the library and Hermione is like, oh, I checked this out for a bit of light reading. She, and she's reading, you know, here's what the Sorcerer's Stone is and what it'll do. She Nicholas says philosopher in, in this version. And I'd never seen that before or heard the philosopher's version. So... That was just something that that stuck out. So uh, they go through one of my favorite parts of the story, all the the obstacles to get to the stone. And somehow these three first year students are able to do this. No problem. Uh, <laughs> where it takes like fully trained adult wizards uh, takes a lot more for them to get through it. Uh, but you know the devil's snare and the catching the yeah. key and in the book there's the potions riddle which they they cut yeah, they skip yeah. that in the movie and the chess game of course and then the the stone itself i wish wizard's chest was real like battery operated or something mm -hmm. or electronic and actually like knocked apart things what what a set that was they built the whole thing all those chess pieces were all practical except yeah. of course when they were moving and all that yeah. that was cg obviously but wow just but the yeah, scale. Ron was actually on a massive chess horse yep not yeah. a blue quilt over something that was cg'd in later no a massive chess horse um, and imagine how difficult that would have been for these three kids. This is their first, you know, big really anything, kid, really. And they had to look at, you know, blue spots or green walls and all that stuff. Like we talked about when we were doing The Hobbit several weeks ago, like Ian McKellen, yeah. who's been doing this wow. since he was, yeah. you know, in his 20s. 
he struggled so much in an environment like that. Um, and now all three of them are, you know, professionals and veterans and have been doing this, but as an 11 year old kid, it's gotta be so much easier to, to become Ron Weasley or Hermione or Harry when you've got these great gargantuan sets and all that stuff around you, all that magic felt real to them probably. Um, so I, I'm just so thankful that we grew up in the era of Harry Potter. Make everything practical as much as you can. Yeah. And um, we, we had Harry Potter. We had, we didn't grow up in it, but before we were a certain age, we had the first three Star Wars, which were practical. We had Indiana Jones, which was practical. We had Jurassic Park, which they did as much practical as they could. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, knowing that we grew up in the era, like we also, when we talked a little bit about The Hobbit, I mentioned uh, Ewan McGregor saying that the filming the prequels wasn't really that much fun in the aspect of he was just in a big soundstage with blue walls everywhere. And yeah, he would talk to he's like, like my scene talking to my buddy in the diner. I was talking to myself. There was nobody there. Mm -hmm. Somebody was reading the lines off script and I was literally sitting on a bench that was blue and the world built around me was a diner with aliens and Dax wasn't really there for me to talk to. And right. just as an actor, kind of like you mentioned with Ann McKellen, I mean, that because we're actors, you know, we've been on stage. I mean, imagine, you know, when you were Sweeney Todd, imagine if TJ was like, so we're going to play this on the screen, but we'll we'll put implement this stuff. Just act like it's happening. It takes pulls you out of it completely. So uh, I, I looked up the the currency um and it says that harry's net worth was 319,995 galleons which today would be 2.6 million dollars in america wow that's what was in his vault so he didn't even need school no he could just pay wizards to do spells for him and he could just chill at home he didn't need the Dursley buy his own house. Yeah, exactly. Wow. To, could you he's imagine like, he, he, when you turned just... 11, somebody looked at you and said, here's $2.6 million. <laughs> yeah, he, he ain't just rich. He's richy, rich, rich. He's richy, rich, rich. Exactly. Uh, so do you ever notice that, like, you know, he has the encounter with Coral and everything does the thing where he puts his hands on his face and he just disintegrates. And then it's like, all right, back to school. Harry just killed a guy. Harry just killed. Like not only did Harry just kill a guy, but Harry killed the teacher. I got big issues with these teachers and the interactions with Harry and the teachers at this school, becoming an educator myself has as vastly like, uh, affected the way I view this movie. Yeah. But he was, influenced by the dark lord okay yeah but i feel like if an adult got involved there would have been a good way to split quirrell from him and maybe just put quirrell in azkaban harry straight disintegrated this poor stuttering teacher at the end of the day like yeah voldemort was on the back of his dome telling him what to do but 
I feel like if Harry had been like, there's a healthier way to deal with this. And I think that uh, Dumbledore could really help you out along with therapy, much therapy, Mr. Quirrell. Violence <laughs> um, don't matter when you're a bad guy. It doesn't. It doesn't. they are like, oh, and for killing a teacher, I'm going to reward him some final points so that they don't lose the house. <laughs> and that, too. Could you imagine? Could you if, imagine uh, the angry letters that you would get from parents, Josh, if at the last second you took away the winner and brought fourth place into the winning? There are some last minute points I need to award. One of them for killing the teacher and saving the day. Yeah, NBD, Harry just killed one of your teachers, and here he is sitting among you, uh, and uh, here we are. Let's hear some points. <laughs> Draco, like, I'm sorry. If I was Draco, I'd be like, wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. We did everything right this year. Like, we rightfully had the most points. We and like, did they deserve points? Yeah, probably so. But it ain't by accident that he gave them that specific number of points. Oh, dude, in the public school world, a principal would be crucified. Pretty sure, like, they lost points for the whole incident with the troll in the bathroom, right? It was... They took away... No, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. It was... uh, it was it was when they got detention in the Forbidden Forest. Before that, it was the whole Nor- Norbert thing when Draco caught him out yes. there and went and told. Yes. yes. Uh, um, fifty points will be deducted each, so I think it's fifty for Ron, fifty for Harry and Hermione. Yes, fifty. So, so they got those back. One hundred and fifty deducted right then and there. But I think he gave sixty to Harry. Yes. And then how many did he give Neville? Ten. 10 or 20 or something standing you know? up to his friends. Yeah. It was the 10 that put them over second place. Very intentional. Oh, extremely intentional. Like there's, if you, there's a videos of uh, public school teachers watching Dumbledore's actions throughout the movies and just quit. Like, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Like you can't. Bro, I'm telling you when you're on the outside looking in, you notice these things, it changes stuff for you. I'm like, I'm about 10 years into my career at this point. Um, and I think even just starting out, I probably would have been like, now, wait a minute. That's not really fair. Mr. Davis couldn't get away with that. All right. These four kids that I like better than the the these dudes over here. Y'all get some extra points because y'all did some cool stuff. It just so happens to be enough to send you over the edge to win. Congratulations. My work here is done. But all that cool stuff they did was breaking rules. At the end of the day, they broke so many rules to do the cool stuff to save the day and get the points. But like like I said, how many rules did they break? Like... They didn't stay in bed. They went to the forbidden corridor. They went down the trap door. They killed a professor. Um, you're just going to give him points? Like, what the heck, man? And Harry smarted off to Snape in the beginning of the movie. Exactly. Like you said, everyone's had sucky teachers. But not once would I go like, 
on day one be like, you know what, dude? Screw you. Just screw you. Don't smart off to me. You know who I am? I'm the chosen one. And probably Snape assumed that that was Harry's mentality because of his experiences Uh, with Harry's dad, which isn't fair to Harry, but... But it also wasn't fair to Snape the way James treated him. Exactly. But you still don't speak to teachers in such a way. Well, no, so moving forward, you kind of... The last watch through I did, I started to really realize that, man, when they were in school, they sucked. Like, they bullied Snape. Oh, yeah. Like, Sirius and James and Lupin, they generally sucked as people. Yeah. But I granted the whole story is they were the good guys in the long run and they didn't deserve to be murdered by Voldemort and framed for murder in Sirius's case. But like they were Snape is is still for me, Snape is the hero of the whole story. Absolutely. He was the double agent who was still like, uh, you know, when you you read or watch Lord of the Rings, it's like, all right, Sam is the hero. Sam is the reason that that this whole thing came together in the end. Absolutely. Snape is the is the Sam just uh, not as friendly and a little more twisted. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to end with this. Birdie bots every flavor beans. I've had them. Have you tried them? Yes. Same here. Oh. I remember uh, my mom when I was a lot younger. They used to have all this Harry Potter merchandise, not from the movie. It was like the cartoon, like illustrated stuff. I had like a mug with Harry Potter stuff on it and blankets and all this. And I would get those Birdie Butts beans for Christmas. Now I assume you can get them at the, you know, at the shops at Universal and probably at other candy stores. You can order them online. You can get them at Sugar on the island in Pigeon Forge or at Myrtle Beach. Like I've had rotten egg, vomit, grass, earwax. So I kind of liked the grass ones. I remember those. I thought the grass ones were okay. And I really liked the popcorn ones. The worst ones, though, do you remember, like, the black pepper one? Uh, Yeah. That one was really terrible. That was terrible. And vomit. Yeah, it was bad. That was always fun to, like, get something with. Oh, hey, look, here's a nice (laughs) strawberry jelly bean. It's like blood or something like that. You did well today, class. Have a jelly bean. Mr. Davis, jelly bean tastes terrible. I love that that moment when uh, Dumbledore's, you know, picking through the beans. He's like, oh, I'm going to get this nice toffee one. And it was earwax. Man, I love Richard Harris. Richard Harris. Uh, Let's discuss him. We both did a show our freshman year of college. Uh, in which on the Broadway version and the movie version, a young Richard Harris played the original King Arthur. Second year. Second year. Uh, or second yeah, year. Camelot. Camelot, yes. The musical Camelot, the original King Arthur was a young Richard Harris. And knowing that, like, that he lived so long to go from King Arthur 
to Dumbledore. Like, what a life. Richard Harris was exactly when when I read the books, that was my my um, visualization of Dumbledore. Yeah. The mentality, the, the mannerisms, I should say, the voice, everything. I thought he was perfect. Yes. And obviously, of course, it was so sad that that he passed. And we got Michael Gambon, who is also a great Dumbledore. And we had more Michael Gambon Dumbledore than we did Richard Harris Dumbledore. I just don't know that Richard Harris would have been able to hang as they went along because Dumbledore did have a much more physical uh, role. Voldemort alone. Yeah, the dueling and and a lot of other things. And I just don't think he he would have been able to, to have pulled that off the same way that Michael Gammon did. One thing that but, I could say that I disliked, and I know this is the first one, this is the Goblet of Fire. I, I distinctly remember in the book, it says Dumbledore calmly asks Harry, did you put your name in the Goblet of Fire? Oh, rather than grabbing a hold of him. Yeah, like, bum rushing him, just like, I'm like, that was totally different than the book. Like, Yeah, that's not Dumbledore. Dumbledore's always cool, calm, and collected. And in control, which is why I love him. If the governors feel that it's the best choice for me to leave, then I'll leave. But Richard Harris's voice alone, whether he's talking, whether he's like, welcome to another year at Hogwarts. You know, he could have read me Edgar Allan Poe and I would have slept comfortably. Like his voice was so soothing. Mm-hmm. Like the yeah, old, like your grandfather or the old man. And it's like you said, every time I feel like every time we talk about a uh, fantasy or, or something, you're always like, Man, when these kind of characters are around, I, I feel like everything's all right. Everything's exactly. Right. Everything's under control. Papa Papa Albus is here. <laughs> Brian, Papa Brian Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> so what about Draco? Early on, uh, as one, I know I've mentioned it, but I really want to, Felton as a kid, uh, he's one of those that, as the kids say, had a glow up. Him and Neville, if you look at them today, strapping young lads. But as kids, not not strapping. Now, I will say uh, young 11, 12-year-old Josh was madly in love with Emma Watson. Really? Oh, my goodness. She She was one of my first, like, celebrity obsessive, like, crushes like uh this is when i first got the internet of course so i'm like learning everything i can about emma watson anything that they ever posted about her i wanted to know i was in love with her i just knew one day i was gonna meet her and we were gonna fall madly in love uh (laughs) that didn't happen that didn't work out but uh (laughs) yeah i loved me some reminder my harry potter crush uh didn't come along for a while. I was uh, I was a Luna, Luna guy. I Luna was, is like my least favorite character I in the love entire Luna. franchise. So much book can't and stand Cho. Cho, I can't stand. Um, but I love Luna. Um, 
But in the first one, you know, I, I it came out at, at a weird time to where my love was still Kimberly from the Power Rangers. So I didn't yeah. have enough room for another love interest at that age. <laughs> I, I had left I had left Kimberly behind along with Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Ah, yes, yes, yes. And uh there might be one or two others, but mm. but Emma was Emma Watson was uh, definitely one of the first big ones. Understandable. I can recall. And I mean, plus, you know, you talk about the inflection. You're like, oh, I could quote it with the inflection. It's not Leviosa. It's Leviosa. What an idiot. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed before uh, the two of you come up with anything else, any other clever ideas to get us killed or worse, expelled. (laughs) When he cancels. is it the first one or second one they cancel finals and she gets upset because oh, of Oh, the second one and she's like, oh man. <laughs> she was the worst. Like, she's not the worst, but like I would hate being around her because she's the student of all students. She's like, she's the one who's like, Are you gonna take up the homework today? And everyone looks at it like he almost forgot, you idiot. That happens in my class all the time. I don't, I don't give homework or anything like that. But it's like, all right, y'all, we're working on this. We're, uh, we're gonna pick this back up tomorrow or the, or the next day. Hey, are you ever gonna? T- are you gonna do this? Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Everyone uh, just yeah. gives that look to the. That's a thing. That's a thing. <laughs> I would hate having class with Hermione. You remember you said we were gonna have a quiz today. <sighs> You wouldn't mind being friends with her when it came time uh, that you needed Save somebody me. to check your work or, you know. No, I wouldn't mind that. With you or whatever. I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, so we've talked Harry, we've talked Draco, we've talked Hermione. Now poor Ron. Um, Ron is like, I feel like JK purposely wrote this entire family as gingers for a reason because at the time of her writing this it was a popular thing to you know gingers are soulless creatures and the ugly part of society like they're pale they get sunburned easily they're red hair and and you know like we were coming off of Adam Sandler stuff where the bad guys were the O'Doyles and they were all these rules. The freaking Herdmans and best Christmas pageant ever. Most of them were redheads. Like, like then they create Ron and the whole family of redheads who have hand-me-downs and they're poor and they're made fun of and are always like the scared one. And then you've got his older brothers who are the funny ones. And then you've got the older brother, Percy, who's the tool that nobody likes. He might be my least favorite character in Harry Potter. Yeah. I can't stand Percy Weasley. Yeah, I'm not a Percy fan either. Uh, I'm head boy. Move it. Excuse me. I'm head boy. I don't know. I just thought I just thought Luna was an idiot. Ah, enough of that. We're on the first one. Keep jumping ahead. 
now we really are going to have to do this entire series on next yeah, season. What a shame. What a shame. Twist our arm. So, um, did you know that JK personally uh, asked Rickman to be Snape? I didn't know that because I know that, uh, was it Tim Roth they had approached about it? Mm-hmm. And he was, he was already doing something? Um, yeah, it was a scheduling issue. Um, they uh, just couldn't work with their scheduling, with his scheduling. And uh, so Alan Rickman was uh, handpicked by her to play Snape. And he, uh, she even, um, like, would give him backstory of Snape before she would even write it in the books, the later books. She would say, no, 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 this, you know, Snape was in love with Lily before she even wrote that in later books because we, we came to this, this crossroads where there were movies and books being released within the same year you know the movie this one was being done right when order of the phoenix was going to come out yes so there were a few things here and there that she would you know give him a heads up about yeah yeah it said that uh tim roth was working on planet of the apes instead Uh. worked out great for us because i think alan rickman was perfect um, the uh, funny thing that I love, uh, I don't know if they did it in the thing you watched, but all the work that they're doing at, at like the tables and all that and in class were the real life kids actual schoolwork. Just oh, dressed to look like was just but they were just dressed, like they were actually like doing their own. Daniel was doing his math, but it was made to look like potions or something. Uh, so that's how they got to film and get their schoolwork done with B-roll filming going on, which is brilliant. Yeah, that's Very smart. brilliant. Um, another thing that I knew, I don't think we talked about, is uh, um, they wanted to use a, a certain filming location, Canterbury Cathedral or something like that. And for Hogwarts but couldn't get it done and so a lot of the outward shooting um, basis is is this massive castle in Edinburgh it's literally in the middle of the city on a big hill was kind of the loosely based look gothic look Um, but um, and they would have protests there were there were some filming places that would get protesters saying that uh, this big movie is is running the legacy of these locations and these ancient areas and these hallowed grounds. And, you know, they would get protesters literally protesting that they're filming in certain locations. Like, oh, this is, this is, you know, this shouldn't be trampled on by hundreds of kids and blah, 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 blah. And they're running our history and stuff like that. So, I'm like, God, Lee, shut up. Terry Paul. She actually, uh, JK was actually asked to play Lily in the first movie. Uh, no, I didn't hear that. 
turned it down. She was like, no, no, I, I don't. Chris Columbus talked about the casting of James and Lily. He didn't say a lot about it, but he said, uh, you know, I, this was before they had a lot more information about James and Lily, like from the books. Mm-hmm. So they just sort of did the best they could. But I had not heard that. Um, the Hogwarts motto. Do you know what it is? Oh, gosh. Um, I do. Or I did. Draco. Dormiens nunquam tilidandus. Yeah. Never tickle a sleeping dragon. This is what it stands <laughs> for. <laughs> okay. Now maybe I didn't know that. Okay. Nice. You know, we've uh I've spent a lot of time over the last year, especially trash talking WB for how they run DC. It just hit me the other day that WB has Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings under the same banner. Yeah. They're like, having those two tentpole franchises is why they can do things to DC to piss people off. Because they're like, eh, we're good. We got that billion dollars from We got that billion dollars from one movie. Uh, Fun fact, though, uh, did you know that there is going to be a reunion? I did know they just announced that today, I believe. Yeah, they did. Uh, it's gonna be, uh, New Year's uh, Return to Hogwarts comes out New Year's Day. All three are gonna be there. Now I will, other cast members. I will absolutely be watching. Well, we're supposed to be at a pay-per-view that day, too. Oh yeah. Day one. WWE's day one. Well, whatever. Whatever. Any other fun things? I've also been to King's Cross. Uh, there is now a a bronze statue of Harry halfway through platform nine and th- what would be platform nine and th- three quarters. They've built this bronze statue, and you can. Uh, there's another one beside it that you can pose. That's like your luggage going through the wall. Mm, I've seen people pictures. take pictures there. King's Cross is yeah. huge, man. I did not expect it to be that big. Um, if you have the opportunity, listener, and you get to go overseas or you get a chance to go to Europe, I would say see as many Harry Potter locations as you can. Mm-hmm. It's it's so cool. Um, just to see it in, in its real entirety. It's just, you know, I, I know I talk, I, I gush over Ghostbusters and I, we gush over Lord of the Rings, but I, I, I don't want that to pull away from the fact that Harry Potter is huge in our lives. And oh, yeah. uh, we, we definitely don't do talk as much about it as, you know, we do some other things or gush over it the way we do Lord of the Rings or something like that. But Harry Potter is still massive in our lives and still in our top franchises to to love on and to, to quote and to talk about. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, well, it's such great storytelling, man. And, yeah. um, and so well thought out, like how she structured this story and had those little, little pieces of things here and there throughout that. When you look at everything in the end, it's like, Oh, we did know about that. Or we had hints of that, you know, in book one or book two and everything tying together and, you know, anytime you have the hero's journey, here's the hero, he's, he's 
growing up in these tough conditions and then he finds the magical weapon the lightsaber the wand the excalibur the whatever he's got the wise mentor and so on and so forth like that that just works and um these books are are and were and will be so special to so so many people for me Mm -hmm. this was the first this is like the first novel like full-length novel not a you know little thin paperback book that i willingly picked up and read Mm -hmm. because someone bought it for me and that was the, I mean, then I went on to like study literature and become oh, an English. Uh, that makes me think book fairs during the Harry Potter era. Yeah, uh, boy. Bookmarks and erasers and pencils and coloring books and oh, the book fair money that they made based just in Harry Potter dollars. Like they've got Harry Potter bookmarks. Well, I want all five of them. You know, I've got a uh, mom. I need $12 so I can get all five Harry Potter bookmarks at the book fair tomorrow. Actually, I need 10 more dollars so I can get all the erasers. Speaking of money, I just kind of got curious uh, after realizing how just how successful financially that uh, Sorcerer's Stone was. Thought, let's see how the whole franchise did. Ah, yes. Kind of like we did with uh, all the Lord of the Rings stuff a few weeks yeah. ago. So there were eight films total, as we know. The combined budget of the eight films was $1.2 billion. You. It's a lot of money. Even for eight movies, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Box office total of the eight films, $7.7 billion. Got to be one of the highest grossing franchises Franchise. ever, right? Uh, it says right here, according to Wikipedia third highest grossing film series right behind one is star wars number one is the mcu two is star wars two is star wars three is harry potter (coughs) because you also have to think that's movies in the theater that's not dvds video games clothing i mean i'm currently wearing my hogwarts shirt that was bought brought for me Bought for me at Universal from my siblings. My Hufflepuff Letterman style or thing that I got at New York Comic Con. And my Hufflepuff belt. And that's just all high. decked out today. Oh, I'm, I'm a Harry Potter out today, brother. I don't you think should. I own a single piece of Harry Potter attire. Which is okay. I've got a couple wands. That's kind of... That's kind of shocking to me. I used to have a Slytherin shirt, but I think that an ex-girlfriend took it or something. I don't know. I had more for sure. And before the seventh book came out, I had a t-shirt that I got at Hot Topic that just said the date of the book release and said, who will die, written in red. I remember the big marketing thing, and I tweeted it up a storm social media that up it all ends remember when that last movie was coming out it all ends Mm -hmm. and now we're just talking about it all began 20 years ago and all began for us it really is beautiful man I mean despite the fact that it's 20 years old now and 
which means we're 20 years older than when this came out and like nothing really puts into perspective how fast time goes. Yeah. Quite like realizing, wait, no, 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 not 20 years ago. No. Yeah. 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, and I remember it so well, you know, the, that time in my life looking forward to these movies and, and rereading these books over and over again. And, and when the Harry Potter uh, franchise was at the forefront of my fandoms. Yeah. It's, it's up there still, but it's not one that I consistently revisit. um, Like a lot of people do. I don't, I don't read the books much. Uh, I'm sure I'll get to them again one day, especially as Emma gets a little older. Um. It's not one I don't just say, oh, let's watch Harry Potter today. I'm not that guy, really. But it, as you said, it, it I hold it in, in such a oh my god, yeah, such a dear place in, in my heart. Uh, and, and it is up there, and uh, and I do love to talk about it, yeah, when I'm even though I'm not one of those people who are still all into it, you know, today. I mean, we have uh, House Thursday at work. Every Thursday is, you know, support your your house, your Harry Potter house at work. We have Marvel Mondays, DC Tuesday. On Wednesday, we wear pink. House Thursdays. Friday, we wear red um, because it's a R.E.D. Remember every deployed member of the military, red. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the football season, Saturday is your college team. Sunday is your pro football team. So every Thursday you have people at work wearing either something Hogwarts, something of their house, something Harry Potter. Um, even if it's just, I'll, I have Luna's wand and I'll take it on Thursdays if I don't have this clean and I'll use it to point at the mat for people. I'll be like, if you look at the top row here, these are unflavored, you know, high proof spirits. Are people ever like, what does Harry Potter have to do with? Well, that, like there's been some times where they'll say like, whose wand is that? I'll say it's Luna Lovegood's. And they go, oh, well, I have Draco's. Or, oh, we have Harry's. We have Ron's. We have the Elder Wand. Um, I have the Elder Wand. Um, and uh, this Thursday, I, I think since it falls on the same week as this episode, I'm probably going to go full force and wear my Hufflepuff robes. Because Brian's like, wear it. I used to have a guy who dressed up as a wizard every day. Well, if I was there, I'd be sporting my green right along with you. Yeah. See, I thought you got Gryffindor. I can't deny it. I do. I pretty much every time that I've done any of those things, I've ended up being Gryffindor. You know, which is not a, a, a bad thing. I just feel like Gryffindor is overrated sometimes. And I appreciate the cleverness of the Slytherins. They don't have the great the greatest attitudes, I'll admit. But yeah, but uh, they do have some good redeeming qualities as well. Slughorn was a Slytherin. Slughorn, uh, the ultimate opportunist. Good to see you, Wallenby. One of my favorite moments in this entire film franchise is is all the stuff after Harry drinks that elixir. Sir. Then by all means, come along, sir. And then they're talking about Aragog and he's doing the, the pincers. 
like drunk Harry or, or whatever. <laughs> but anyway. Purely academic, of course. Goodbye. Aragog. Goodbye, Aragog. King of the spiders. <laughs> Your body may decay. <laughs> so linger on. Oh. <laughs> How's me in his class and he can't remember my name? Good to see you, Wallenby. We can talk about it till the cows come home or till the Dark Lord returns. Uh, but three more years. Three more years. Harry Potter time. Yes. Yes. Um, what do y'all think? What's your favorite thing about the first movie, Nerds and Nerdettes? Witches and wizards, muggles, dark lords, and chosen ones. How do you feel about it? What are your favorite parts? What are your first memories of seeing the movie? Uh, I hope this kicks us off to a, a, a much longer series. We're, we're, we're not really in the planning stage of season four, but I did get a rather long wish list from one Dr. Davis the other day mm-hmm. <laughs> talking about season four and... I was like, let's get through season three. <laughs> but <coughs> I would not be surprised if we revisit the world of witchcraft and wizardry pretty soon. But I mean, that this means that this time next year will be the 20 year anniversary of Chamber of Secrets. That's true. So there's that. If, there you know, is that. If you want to wait that long. If we're going to play that game, we have to at least have this show for another seven years. <laughs> <laughs> and do the 20-year mark. And why game. wouldn't we? Because <laughs> we'll still, you know, seven years from now, we still won't have to worry too much about a name change. Not yet. Anyways. Well, we better have it in our back pockets, though, at that point. Yeah. We're like, why did you all end the show at the age of 39? We couldn't think of anything that rhymes with nerdy and being 40. So we just ended the show. I can't think of anything that rhymes with 40. Unless you say nerdy the way that Gru does in Minions or... Despicable. Nordy. Lordy, lordy, these nerds are 40. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> See you in eight years, folks. <sighs> With the spinoff series. That'll do it right there. Coming to Disney Plus, the spinoff series. <laughs> lordy, lordy, these nerds are 40. <laughs> but man, I have enjoyed talking to Harry Potter with you. Yes, uh, same here. And I do highly recommend uh, watching the HBO Max version of the movie at least once. I don't think it's something I'll ever watch again. I would much rather just watch the normal version without all the little pop-ups and and stuff like that. But especially getting all that insight from Chris Columbus and, you know, the little tidbits that they threw in here and there. Really cool stuff. Definitely worth a watch. Absolutely. Well, nerds and nerdettes. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. That'll keep you up to date with all things 30 and Nerdy Podcast. 
follow us on all the social medias. Check out 30andnerdypodcast.com. While you're listening, don't forget to leave a rating and a review. And as our dear, lovely Emma likes to say, why don't you go ahead and make that rating? Five stars! Who would disagree with the adorable voice of Emma Davis? I try to disagree all the time, but it doesn't work. (laughs) No, thank you. No, thanks, Daddy. No, thanks, Daddy. That's my favorite thing. One of my favorite things she does. No, thanks. Is when you'll be like, I'm turning this off. No, thanks. No, thanks, Daddy. No, 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 thanks. No, thanks. Please, no. (laughs) Good night, nerds. And have a pleasant tomorrow. 50 points deducted from Slytherin. Oh. I used to love.